We're going to finish. Um, we're going to finish our story today. We've we've been looking for about ten weeks or so, really. Uh, a character and his wife in the Old Testament, Abraham and Sarah. We looked at the idea that they were called by faith to follow God from their home and to leave it and to put trust in a God that they didn't fully know, but that was calling them out to say, "I want to be your God, and I want you to become my people." And I'm going to bless you, Abraham, and I'm going to re- bless your relationship with Sarah, and I'm going to build you into a mighty nation and a strong family in which all of the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And Abraham's journey began by faith. It began not fully seeing or knowing what the life of following God would look like, but he chose it because he chose to put his trust into the living gods. That's how faith begins. Something where there's a moment in which choice is presented and we get to choose. Do we live by faith or do we live by sight? Do we live by trusting God or trusting ourselves? And that will happen a lot throughout life. So we can relate to that, even though very few of us will be called out of living in our own homelands and told to go and follow God to live in another place. Very few of us will then be asked to try and lie about our relationships as to whether these people are our husbands or our wives and pretend they're sisters to make sure that we don't get killed by the people that are moving into the area. Very few of us will then have to try and work out with a little sort of family fuel feud as to whether or not we're gonna live in the high land or the low land. Very few of us will then have to wrestle with faith into our almost hundredth year as to whether we're ever gonna have a child. Very few of us are ever going to wrestle with the idea of once we've got that child, then by faith realise, am I going to give that kid to God or am I going to try and hold on to him myself? All of those parts of Abraham's story, and again, Carl said it when he preached a couple of weeks ago, they're written to us. They're, they're things that we can listen. They weren't really for us, that part of the story. That was Abraham's story. But there is one part of Abraham's and Sarah's life that all of us are going to be called into do you want to know what it is? It's a good, it's a great Christmassy theme. Death. It's true, that's why I got given. I got the death of Abraham and Sarah. And actually, whether we like very again, like I said, very few of us will experience ever other parts of the story. But if I look across the room, death awaits us all. That's a harsh reality. And Merry Christmas. But that's where we got to. And ultimately, that's where Abraham's story ends. Can't really tie it up any other way. I can't really, you know, put fairy lights on it or put enough tinsel around the outside of it or wrap it in nice packaging. Death is what death is. The end. It's the end of his life. It's the end of Sarah's life. And do you know how their lives ended? Their lives ended in faith. By faith. And do you know what? This, is, this, started, this was playing in my mind the other day. I haven't got a big mind, so, you know, played with it easily. But as I was sitting, I was thinking, Abraham doesn't need faith anymore. I still need faith because I'm not yet dead. But Abraham doesn't need faith anymore. He lived by faith and he died by faith. But now he lives by sight. Now he sees the future inheritance that he always believed in. He, didn't, he might have seen little hints of what the story was going to end up like, little glimpse of what the promise that God had set him at the very beginning looked like, 
but he still died. And we're going to read a bit in Hebrews today, just jumping forward a bit in the Bible, but it's a New Testament writer looking back at this life of Abraham, just like we've been. And when he looks back, he still considers really the life of Abraham is a life of faith in which he longed for something that he hadn't fully yet inherited, but in yet he still trusted and held on to the future promise that Abraham now enjoys. His life of faith is finished. Faith is a temporary existence. Let me say it this way. Your opportunity to practice faith only exists until the day that you breathe your final breath. Oh, is someone, do you do that on purpose? The blowers just went off. Wow, it's like timing. But genuinely true. We only get this life to practice faith. We don't get the opportunity to practice faith in death. The time for faith is now. Now is the opportunity that God says to you, live by faith. Do you trust in me or do you trust in the world? Do you trust in the living God or do you trust in yourself? Do you trust in the things unseen or are you going to trust in the things that are seen around you? Are you going to trust? Are you going to put faith in me again today? And that's part of the story that we can still learn from. And actually, Abraham sets us this wonderful example. He and his wife live an example of how to live life until the very end, living by faith. They made it. Well done, Sarah and Abraham. They got there. I want to get there too, don't you? I want to make it. I want to live life by faith. I don't just want moments of faith. I want a life defined by faith in the way that I follow and trust in God's. See, what's amazing is that, and again, these are things that Paul might say about Abraham. So again, a New Testament writer looking back. Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Righteousness just means he was standing right before God. Before he was wrong before God. And now he is right before God. And how does he become right before God? By faith. By trusting in him. And how does he get the credit? The credit of righteousness becomes his by faith. But what does his faith lead to? That trick question. His faith leads to a life that is lived in faith. That's a big distinction. Faith does produce works. His righteousness is not given to him because of his works. It was credited to him as righteousness before he did anything. Because he trusted in God, he received the gift of righteousness. But his faith resulted in works, in trusting in him. And again, let me, let me, let's confuse us even greater. Was all of his, was all of his works right? Wrong, <laughs> they weren't. Lots of Abraham's works were wrong, right? Yeah? There was lots of things that Abraham did that were wrong. And yet it was credited to him as righteousness. And there were many things that Abraham did that was right, but not all of them. You see, Abraham had a life that was defined by faith. And then at key moments, he tried to take the faith that he had in a God that had called him to himself and say, okay, Lord, I want my life to now be shaped by this faith. So the choices and the things that I do are in line with the faith that I have in you. Sometimes the flesh wins. Sometimes you sleep with your servant. 
Probably not again, one for us, but one for Abraham. Sometimes, sometimes you lie to people in power and responsibility because you're worried of the consequences of what a life by faith is going to look like. But the overarching theme of Abraham, not a perfect man by any shape or form, is that he tried to live his life defined by faith in the God that had called him. That's how we make it to the very ends. Again, we don't make it to the very ends by living perfect lives. This is a, a room full of broken people that need mending. It's a room full of people that will have made mistakes, right? Right. We have done things wrong. Yet, this is a room that is defined by faith, as Sally and the band led us in wonderfully, in the Son of God's. That's why we sung the creed today. We're declaring these truths of who God is because our faith is what unites us in trusting in the gods who credits it to us as righteousness. That is the wonderful story of the gospel. You see, actually death is one of these things as well that when we walk through the doorway of death, we leave behind a whole load of things in this world. We leave behind pain. We leave behind suffering. We leave behind anger and sadness. All of these things get left behind. And there is only one way to leave them behind in the world in which we live in is by death. So again, for the Christian, we're able to say, and Abraham has set us a wonderful example of this, that we leave behind our life by faith because we no longer need our faith. We now see by sight. But we also get to leave behind all of the sadness and sickness and evil and anger and suffering that exists in this world because really our dying, and Caleb put it up a minute ago, really our dying is all about living. That's really what death is all about. Death is not the end, Christian. Death is not the end of Abraham's story. I said at the beginning, it's the end of his story. No, it's not. <laughs> It was the beginning of the eternal story that he now lives for all eternity. I think it was D.L. Moody that said, one day you'll hear that D.L. Moody is dead. I want you to know it is not true. At that moment, I am more alive than I have ever been. That's the truth of the Christian life, is that our death brings us to true and eternal life. And there's only one way to get there. The only way is that if we are to die and to be welcomed into all eternity with him, to join the life that Abraham and Sarah now live in the presence of God, free of sickness, sadness, suffering, evil and death. We get to live in the good of that. And how do we get there? We get it by faith. We trust in the living God that when we die, we go forth to live. That's why stories are important. So I was happening when, when Chris is coming and sharing, Rich, we're sharing stories of each other because we're trying to build a little muscle. One of them. Give it one of them. We're trying to build a muscle of faith in us because faith is hard. We get doubts and we get worries and we get fears. Sometimes we feel like our faith is empty and that we're not going to make it and the promise isn't going to come true. Again, who does that sound like that we've been talking about for the last 10 weeks? Moments of doubt because it's taken a lot longer than we ever expected. And is this really what we always hoped it was going to be? doesn't quite feel as if that was the promise that we're waiting for. But yet Abraham teaches us 
and we teach one another and the great cloud of witnesses that go before us from Hebrews that we're going to read, they set an example that build the muscle of faith. And so sometimes when we're called to pray for things in this life and to trust in things that aren't happening in this life, we are building a muscle of faith in us. Because though outwardly we may be wasting away, inwardly we, be, we are being renewed. We're being strengthened day by day because our faith is growing. We may die in weakness, but we're going to be raised in glory. We may die, we may die and we may be in a state where you think, this old frail body, that all that is left, but actually the inner man, the inner woman has been strengthened because of a life of faith, of trusting Him. And you see it. It is the absolute joy of being in Christian community and fellowship with each other. The amount of times I spend time with someone in their 90s who is facing the moment of death and they are stronger than the 21-year-old that I've just met because they've lived a life by faith. They've had the example set of faith day by day, year by year, following Christ, example of others, walking through trials, enduring hardships, putting faith in God and inwardly they're now strong and radiant and ready for glory and not fearful of death because they know they're now being called to true and eternal life. That is amazing news. That is what the gospel has to offer for us, Christian. If you're a follower of Christ, that is the offer for you. If you're not a follower of Christ, that is the offer for you. A life of faith that leads to life everlasting. It's the wonderful truth of the gospel. So let's just read it. I've got three chapters and all I drew out was that they both died. I've got Genesis 23. I'm going to read this to you. And there are, there are bits in the middle. And actually, I'd, right in the middle of it, chapter 24, which is not going to touch on the character of Isaac yeah that's another story it's the danger sometimes we want to draw into other people's stories this was a story about Abraham and Sarah it's about them and actually I felt if we start drifting down the route of Isaac and where his life ends up going and then you're worried about Jacob and Esau and you now then you're going through to Joseph yet yeah, the story continues through other people but really this story is about you <laughs> don't try and make it about someone else it's about you your faith in God's not your mates, not your mums, not your brothers, not your neighbours, your faith, your life. We're born on our own, we die on our own. It's the one thing we have to walk through. So I wanted to make it about him and his wife, Sarah. And this is what happened to him. Genesis 23, now Sarah lived 127 years. That is a good innings. These were all the years of her life. And Sarah died in Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the lands of Canaan. And Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. That is the reality of death as well. You mourn and you weep for ones that you love. You're not crushed by that because there is hope. But it will be completely irreverent and unhuman-like to not weep and mourn for those when they die. Say, when I come to, when we take funerals and things here, I'll always say, stand about here. Taking, I think, four or five funerals this year. And again, just stand in this place. And we'll often say to families, because those of families never been in church before, they've never been in a space like this. Maybe it's the first funeral they've ever come to as well. And just to be able to say, you know, there'll be moments during this where we'll laugh with each other. And that's Okay. Because we're sharing memories. There's joy, there's laughter, there's hope that's in there. 
And you might move from a moment of laughter to a moment of absolute sadness and sorrow and mourning. That's okay because we're humans. God sets us with both ends of the parameter and both are to be fully experienced. Let's not compromise for some middle of the ground, never really laughing and loving and celebrating life and never really mourning and dealing with the sadness of loss and trauma. The beauty of Jesus is that he has this ability to encapsulate the full human breadth of, of existence and of emotions. Can I say it? Brits, we can be sometimes slightly emotionally stunted. Is that all right to say that? I'm a, I'm a Brit. I can be emotionally shallow sometimes and stunted because sometimes I'm taught and told that I don't want to show too much joy but I also don't want to show too much sadness. I think, again, it's what I love about being in a church that isn't full of British people, is that there are people that teach me much about true joy and celebration and love and laughter of life, and that also teach me much about much sadness and sorrow and mourning, and we can learn to do that alongside each other. Again, please don't try and just work that out on your own. That's the joy of Christian community and fellowship. Sometimes when you're in those moments of mourning and sadness... We need the people that bring us back towards hope. And sometimes we're in those moments where we're not really engaging with the reality of the situations we're facing. We need people who can teach us. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be sad at times. Jesus models it to us and the Christian life gives it to us. And Abraham shows us how he mourns his wife there in chapter 23. The rest of the chapter goes on to basically show how honoured they were as a couple how significant they become as a family. They get given a plot of land and a cave in which to be able to bury future family members in. And lands, remember, this was not their own lands, but the inhabitants now so, show such honour to them as a family. They say, this now is for yours, for you to be able to bury your wife, Sarah, and your future generations in this place. Again, we'll know the significance of that. Having a place, having a home, having, a, having a, an, a, a position in which we're laid and which our security can be found in. And then if we jump into chapter 25, this is the length of Abraham's life, 175 years. Let me do quick maths. 48 years, is that right? 127, 175. Actually, I don't know if they're exactly the same age, they're slightly different, but he's gone 40 odd years of life now without Sarah, of, of mourning her living without her. But at that moment, he took his last breath and he died at a good old age. He was old and contented. I really love that when I got drawn towards that bit. Abraham died old and contented and he was gathered to his people. His son Isaac and Ishmael, heard the little challenge of those two, buried him in the cave of Machpelah near Mamre in the field of Ephron, son of Zohar the Hittite. This was the field that Abraham bought from the Hittites and Abraham was buried there with his wife, Sarah. And after Abraham's death, God blessed his son, Isaac, who lived near Beer Lahoroi. And the story ends. You see, that is a moment that all of us will face at some point. Like I said, you can't escape it. It's where every story ends but it looks at what the story that we're living to would become. And I just highlighted those words, old and contented, because I think that's what deep down humanity is looking for. 
who wants to die old and contented. They might tell you that having good skin is the way to die old and contented. Or I might tell you that if you've got a lovely collection of glassware and plates, that you die old and contented. It might tell you that if you went on a nice few holidays towards the end of your life, you might die old and contented. But again, I can tell you as someone who's, yes, like I said, stood here and taken a number of funerals. When you stand at those funerals, you realise the people that die old and contented are the people who see and the family that sees the outworking of loving one another, of serving one another, of caring for loved ones, of being amongst them. And then all of that, again, I've done non-Christian funerals and you get that dynamic, but then when all of that is tied with a little bow of an ultimate faith and trust in loving and serving God, those funerals are like at another level. They just are. I've been, you, can, you can go to funerals and you can find little bits in them and you can find little bits of, oh, isn't it really good? They were a great dad. Yeah, they, they were su- such a good example to their neighbours and they were really caring those things. And that feels good, can make you feel contented. But then when you get the layer of saying, they died in faith in the God who knew them and loved them and gave his life for them and they died full of hope and expectation of what the future life will become, you walk out of there in a space just thinking, man, my internal muscle of faith has been strengthened like no end because I see a life by faith that has made it and died now full of hope to now live the eternal life that is yet to come. That's the opportunity that we each get presented. And again, it's a bit strange because we're in a big room full of people, but in some ways, this is a very personal talk today. This isn't really a talk to a community of people. I'm actually talking to probably 400 individuals that are each listening, and you're processing this all from different places. For some, you might just be thinking a lot about the loss of a loved one. For some, you might be really worried about your own death. For some, you might be drawn towards memories and emotions of people that you've seen that have loved and died and done so well and you just can't wait to see them in glory. But that's all right. That's what the gospel engages with. It engages with a people and with a person. It's what the story of Abraham's doing. It's engaging with a whole people in which the ends of the earth is going to be blessed through a nation and in which he cares about a husband and his wife and their desire for a child. You see, just God's amazing at doing that. That's why it's so important that he took on human form, like we said this morning. Because he comes and joins us humanity. He doesn't deal with us with a distance, just with the job lot project of humanity. He steps into individual lives and he lives amongst us, Emmanuel, to show us the way in which to live. You see, let me just, and let me just read some of these verses now from Hebrews 11. And I'm just going to ask Gideon to come and join me because as we do this, I'm just going to ask, yeah, Gideon, you're right. We're just going to play a little bit of keys behind because I think I'm expecting this to kind of engage with a bit of emotions. It's not particularly a humorous talk. It's not particularly trying to, you know, entertain for 25 minutes and just buy some time until you've got to pick the kids up. It's kind of a bit of a serious talk pre-Christmas, which again is a bit of a strange time to do it, but it's where we fell in the story of Genesis. And I just think that God might just want to set some people free. He might want to lift your gaze towards what the life of faith that he's called you to. And he might just want to instill some hope into your life as well at this season. Season that can sometimes feel pretty bleak for a lot of people. 
but that there is a hope. And that's what the wonderful Christian gospel produces in us, a hope that will last. So let me read you these from Hebrews 11. This is this New Testament writer writing back about the life that Abraham lived. What I want you to remember in all of it as well is that Abraham ultimately was an exile throughout all of his life. He left his homeland and exile just means that he left where he was and became a stranger into a new place. Yeah, he got given a new land. He got a cave that he could bury him and his wife in. He, he, he gained a family and all those things. But ultimately, he still died in exile because really our true home is never in this life. We're all exiles. We're all walking through this life because we have a true and better homeland, a true and better country, a new heavens and a new earth waiting for us to inherit alongside God for all eternity. And so when we read these words, we read it like exiles that are longing for something that one day is going to become ours. It's wonderful. Hebrews 11. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For by this, our ancestors were approved. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, he obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out, even though he did not know where he was going. And by faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob. They were co-heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, she received power to conceive offspring even though she was past the age, since she considered that the one who had promised was faithful. Therefore, from one man, in fact, from one as good as dead, came offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and as numerable as the grains of sand along the seashore. These all died in faith, although they had not received the things that were promised, but they saw them from a distance. They greeted them and confessed that they were foreigners. They were temporary residents on this earth. Now those who say such things make it clear they are seeking a homeland. If they were thinking about where they came from, they would have had an opportunity to return. But they now desire a better place, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their gods, for He has prepared a city for them. That is good news. 
Hebrews has been feeding Christians for 2,000 years and you again have been fed today by the truth of the book of Hebrews that you have a faith that will last and endure. The country, the homelands that you are seeking is true. That that you believe and that you hope for in your greatest desires is just waiting for you the other side of the grave. You will inherit it, Christian. You will get there. Christ is faithful. He has promised. Your trust is in Him. You may feel like you're never going to make it. You may feel like you're going to fail, but you trust in the promise giver, the one who says, I have made these promises to you. I will get you there. I will bring you into a homeland that I have prepared on your behalf, into a country that I live in now. And Abraham and Sarah have already made it. And one day you'll make it too. By faith, you're going to inherit these things. Trust Christian, believe it to be true. Live your life in light of those truths today. It's not just good news for tomorrow. It changes the way you walk out this building. It changes the way you face Christmas this year. It changes the way you talk to your neighbour and you reconcile your relationships. It changes the way that you forgive people. It changes the way that you speak to others. It changes the way that you welcome outsiders. Because the life we live, we live by faith. We trust in something and yet we haven't fully inherited, but it's even better than you could ever imagine. You think it's this good, it's even better. You think these fake trees look good. Oh man, oh to have real trees. Oh to have the smell of the real reality of a new heaven and new earth amongst us. And so what does it say in Hebrews 12? Therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses, surrounding us that's us that's this the men and women that make up this book the great cloud of witness that surround us let us lay aside every hindrance lay aside sin that will so easily ensnare us let us run with endurance the race that lies before us keep our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Did a Google search, showed me this. Said, live your best life now. You'll find loads of books that will tell you how to live your best life now. I don't want my best life now. I want my best life that is yet to come. And the way I get the best life, a life with God for all eternity, is to live this life by faith. If this is my best life now, oh, shame on me. Oh, what a a sorrowful person I am if this is my best life. I've got an even better life waiting for me the other side of the grave. Even better even better than I could ever imagine. That's the life that I long for. So that one day I look back and say, oh yeah, I remember that life. I remember that life, I remember what it was like. And I'm so glad that I lived that life by faith in God, that I trusted in Him, that He got me through to the ends. I got to live in the good of the eternal promises. I'd love us to stand, I'm gonna invite Sally and the band up and I'm gonna do a bit of a weird thing, that's okay.
we're going to sing a couple of songs to finish. And these are, I said to Sal, pick songs that we'd often do at someone's Thanksgiving and funeral. Because these songs are often full of truth, of the life that is yet to come. I hope that, you know, today, the word, God's Word has just brought refreshing to your soul. I, thought, I hope it's energised you for a life of living by God. I hope it's grown a little seed of faith and worked the muscle of faith in your life. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read, I'm going to read the committal that I would read at people's funerals. It's weird. But probably someone will read it one day at your funeral. So I left the words out. I've left where I would normally insert a name. I've left it blank. Because every single one of us one day uh, will face death. And it does two things when you sit at funerals. It makes you think about the person who's died and it makes you think about your own life as well. So just before we sing, I'm just going to read these words. I'm just going to leave a little pause where I would normally write someone's name or insert their name into it. And these are just words that come from Common Book of Prayer, been read in Christian communities for hundreds of years. And I would just encourage you, maybe close your eyes, maybe put your hands before God and just maybe in those moments, just, it's just yourself. It's a little moment between you and God's. God might just want to convict some of the things in your life that you know are hindrances and holding you back. God might want to just grow a little seed of faith in your heart today. He might just want you to let go of some fear of death that you've held for too long. You can trust him, he's good. So at this point, we come to commit into God's hands. Hebrews 6 teaches us that we have hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. This hope, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. Our God is both just and merciful for those who put their trust in him. There is the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ who died, who was buried and who rose again. Jesus said in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though they die, yet shall they live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Almighty God, in his great mercy, has taken to himself. We therefore commit their body to the grave in a sure and certain hope of the resurrection to eternal life who through our Lord Jesus Christ will change us in an instant to be like him and reconcile all things to himself. Help us, Lord, to live as those who are prepared to die. And when your summons comes, help us to die as those who go forth to live. Lord, would we know that in our living or our dying, as followers of Jesus, our life is hidden with you in Christ. As such, we have this assurance that nothing in life and in death will be able to separate us from your great love, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And the people of God together can say, Amen. Amen. Let's sing and rejoice in the goodness of God together.